the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Welcome to those joining online as well. This morning, we continue our our sermon series that we're calling The Medium is the Message. And just in case you weren't here last week, the idea behind this is that we recognize that how a message is communicated, the means of its communication, can tell us a lot about the content of the message. The medium is the message. And God chooses to communicate the message of his love through us. Paul says we've been called as ambassadors appointed by God as if God himself were making his appeal through us to the people he loves. We are the medium. Last week we saw in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth that as God knit together the body with Jesus as the head and with us as individual members of that body, he connected the various members to each other. We are interconnected. We need one another. And he's given each of us gifts and abilities that we're meant to use for the good of the body as the body serves those around us, our neighbors near and far. Paul closes 1 Corinthians 12 this way. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then Paul goes on to describe and explain what is the greatest gift of all, saying, and I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And it begins chapter 13 this way. Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now Paul has just spent all of chapter 12, the previous chapter, camped out in this metaphor of the human body. He's been using that metaphor in many ways to describe what the church is like, how it's designed to function, how it's made up, what it's built and designed to do by God. He explains that the church is made up of these members that have diverse gifts, all given by the Holy Spirit. Gifts that are diverse, valuable, and essential. And now here in chapter 13, Paul shifts his theme a bit, not away from the church or away from the church's mission, but he shifts his focus a bit away from the what of the church to the how. And Paul uses some fairly extreme examples to make it crystal clear to his readers and to us that when it comes to God's design for the church, It's not just about the what. When it comes to our service to God, to our brothers and sisters in Christ and the people around us, the how really matters. 
Paul talks about being able to speak powerfully, to speak even with heavenly, angelic language. He talks about being able to know everything, able to solve any mystery, or to have incredibly strong faith. Paul describes the self-sacrificial acts of, of giving everything one owns to the poor, or devoting one's entire life to difficult work in the service of others. And as we hear these examples, they might sound really inspiring, maybe even unattainable. These actions might sound like the epitome of the Christian church. It's like, this is what the church is supposed to do. And so it sounds shocking when Paul says that any of those acts, all of these actions, which actually might seem like the church at its best, could potentially end up being nothing but a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal or, or even worse, nothing at all. And so we wonder, what's, what's going on? How could these things that seem to be the church at its best actually be noise or nothingness? Paul explains to the Corinthians that as they do the work of the church, as they live into the mission God has given them, if the actions that they, that they perform on behalf of God, in the name of God, and by the power of God are not done in love and saturated with love, they are nothing. I'm pretty sure Paul wanted to grab the attention of the Corinthians, and it grabs our attention too as he uses these extreme examples because we want to be people who are living into our mission, doing the things that God has called us to do. At Bethany, we describe that mission as inviting people to know God, inspiring people to follow Jesus, and involving people to serve our neighbors near and far. And in this season, we're focusing on the last part of that mission statement, to be involving people to serve our neighbors, both down the road and across the globe. And when we think about serving others, we tend to focus on the stuff we do. We focus on tasks and actions, the things we know that God has given us the gifts and even the passion to be doing in our community. And we know that God cares very much about how we use the time and the abilities that he has given us. We know that it matters what we do. That's the whole point of the passage from Isaiah that was read earlier. When God's people were wondering, why doesn't God notice our religious festivals and observances and fasting? God tells them that the kind of worship and fasting he was looking for is to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And Jesus, when he described the mission that his father had given him, used the words of Isaiah 61, and proclaimed, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God instructed his people that what they do matters. Jesus said, I'm on a mission to do what matters to God. And Paul insists that as we do what we do, we must do it with love and in love. And then Paul goes on to describe in 1 Corinthians 13 exactly what that love does and what it looks like. Now, before I get there, <clears throat> I just want to say that if I were to come up with a list of, of what love looks like, of what love is, 
I think I would tend to focus on those attributes of love that maybe we think of as kind of the most, most heroic or most, most outstanding. I'd say love is self-sacrificing. Love is willing to take the hit on behalf of someone else. We know that, Je- <clears throat> excuse me. We know that Jesus himself said no greater love has someone than this, that they would actually lay down their own life for their friend. And Paul, elsewhere in his letters, talks about this kind of self-sacrificing love. But here in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul actually uses that very example to describe the kind of action that could come to nothing. He says, if I give up my body to hardship but don't have love, I am nothing. Other translations of this line talk about giving our our body over to death or even surrendering our body to the flames. Paul's talking here about sacrificing it all, perhaps even to martyrdom. And he says that even this might end up empty and as good as nothing. So let's look at how Paul describes love and discover what, what he says can't be missing from our acts of service to others. Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And as we think together about what it means to be serving our neighbors both near and far away, as we consider this year how to take tangible steps to more fully and faithfully live into that part of our mission, we have to keep this description of love in front of us. We need to be guided by this description that Paul gives us that says we'll prevent our acts of service from becoming a bunch of noise and nothingness. And as I've studied this, this list that Paul gives, this list of love is descriptors, one thing stands out to me loud and clear, and that is that love is relational. Because it's possible that we could, be, we could be generous, even sacrificially generous and giving as we think about our service to our near and far neighbors without really being in any kind of relationship with them. We could offer leadership, strategic vision in our ministries to our neighbors and still still miss out on developing a relational connection with them. Paul says love is kind, that it's patient, that love is thick-skinned when it comes to having our pride hurt, that it's forgiving, that it's protective. And these are words and descriptions that happen best in the context of relationship. When we think about people who are kind to us, people who forgive us, people who put up with us instead of keeping a checklist of all the things we've done wrong, these are people with whom we are in relationship. Relationships are where love germinates. So what does this mean for our ministries that we build around service to our our neighbors and our communities? Well, I think it means we always need to be thinking relationally. Paul says we've been commissioned as ambassadors of the gospel. He makes it clear that God intends to use us 
to use his church as the medium for that message. And as people created by God, as people created in the image of God, we are relational creatures. We are wired for and intended for relation. And that applies to our mission and ministry as well. And so I think in practical terms, when it comes to thinking about service, I think Paul's description of love invites us to both and kind of thinking. We need to consider how might we practically serve our neighbors? How do we meet their genuine, expressed needs? And we need to consider how might we relate to them relationally? How might we connect with them relationally in a way that more tangibly expresses the love of God that we ourselves have seen? I think, for example, of one of the ministries that I love that I saw sprouting up out of this pandemic season and flowing out of Bethany's recent vitality process. It's our shared commitment to monthly food drives that support the ongoing work of food shelves in our communities. And I'm sure that when you see this picture of food that was donated at the most recent drive, like me, your heart is warm. It's like, this is awesome that we got to do this together and have such a tangible impact to our neighbors. God God spoke to his people through the prophet Isaiah and said, you need to be sharing your food with the hungry. And this is part of how we do that. And as we think about this ministry and really all our ministries, I just think we need to be honest with ourselves and recognize that anything we do, Paul might add to his list. He might add to his list and say, if you give thousands of pounds of food to the hungry but don't have love, it comes to nothing. Now please hear me in this, because I love our food drives. I think that doing good for God's people, as the people of God, called to show compassion and generosity, we need to be about this. This mandate is found abundantly in the pages of Scripture. And what Paul writes to the Corinthians and to us is that as we live into this what of our ministry, we need to be continually checking our how and our why. We need to be continually guided increasingly toward showing love in relational ways because love is relational. And so, for example, rather than concluding, well, that's just stuff, that's not relational, that ministry isn't relational, let's pursue the question, how might we grow more relationally connected with our neighbors, either through a ministry like this or alongside that kind of ministry? How might our neighbors experience relational love through us, even as they receive tangible care and assistance? This past week, I had a conversation along those very lines with Kathy Griswold. Kathy and her husband, Terry, have been instrumental in championing these these food drives, encouraging connect groups to sponsor and adopt a month to to make them happen. And Pastor Allie has also done this with our youth, to, to own a month and make sure that the food drive happens. I asked Kathy about what kinds of relational possibilities there might be for this kind of ministry. And I asked her to help me put some faces behind what I know are the three food shelves that are supported by these drives. And here are a few things she shared with me. Amazing Grace Food Pantry unloads with us, weighs the donations for their records, 
And so we have time during, during that exchange with them for talking, for getting to know their workers, and even some of their clients. Pathway Senderos in New Britain, I can describe in one word, fun, she says. It's a center for kids grades six through 12, and they come pouring out of the building. They empty the car in five minutes, talking to us the entire time. We hear, wow, is this all for us? Man, that's my favorite cereal. Can we make that mac and cheese right now? One time we brought pancake mix and syrup, and they talked about, they, they said they had just talked about getting some for the next day. Even the staff were delighted, so we shared with them that everything had been prayed over, that this was an example of God's provision for them, that he knows their needs and loves them. The director said, amen. Kathy says, we're hoping to build this, hoping to build on these relationships and with many opportunities there for volunteers when it's safe for us to begin to bring food in person again. Kathy also shared that since May of 2021, they have also added the Berlin Police Department to receive a monthly visit with donations from the food drive in the way of snacks and treats for their break room, as well as reminders of God's love and protection over them in our prayers. Kathy says, when they see us coming now, they know it's Bethany, and they can't wait to see what we brought. Comments coming in from officers have been, please keep praying for us. And when a new officer said, what's this? His partner said, it's treats from Bethany Covenant Church. They're always blessing us. The chief of police came out once and said, the prayers are appreciated as well as the treats. Pastor Alley frequently connects our students to meaningful opportunities for service in our community. And I wanna share with you some comments from students who have participated in these opportunities when she asked them about what makes this service relational. I heard snippets about the lives of the people I helped shop for food at Amazing Grace Food Pantry. Putting a face to a need gave greater purpose to the days that we stocked shelves in the back. At Hartford City Mission, I built a relationship with a little girl because I always sat at her table. She, was always, she and I were always excited to see each other. And one day, when she was sad because she missed her mom, she spontaneously gave me a hug. At the Hartford Project, we were able to offer companionship and conversation to people who live on the streets and who are generally not seen by anyone. And so as we continue to build our relationships through these kinds of ministries with our neighbors in our communities, through our work with Covenant Preparatory School in Hartford, through all the other involvements and investments we have in local ministries. We want for our neighbors to know that we are for them and that God is for them. And I believe a big part of that can happen when our neighbors experience the kind of love that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13. Because if we're seeking opportunities to be kind to our neighbors, to be patient with them, to be forgiving in our relationships, those goals are going to nudge us, coax us, kind of force us into proximity with our neighbors. They're gonna invite us into relationships with them. Because we're gonna to need to be close enough to our neighbors so that our patience will actually be tested and we'll have opportunities to show them that our love is patient. We'll be close enough to neighbors that stuff will happen that needs to be forgiven on both sides, that we'll need to ask for forgiveness and we will be needing to offer it. 
will form the kinds of relationships that require us to be in humble relationship with our neighbors, that give us opportunity to get to know them. If we are the medium, then our ministry has to be increasingly relational. We are relational beings created in the image of a relational God. We follow a Savior who took on human flesh and came and lived among us. A Savior who was in close relationship, especially with his disciples, but with his neighbors as well. God could have chosen to bless us from a distance, but he didn't. He came and lived among us. That's the mystery, the wonder, and the truth of the incarnation, God in flesh. I'm looking forward to this new year when we have opportunities to be asking ourselves and asking one another, well, how can we grow in this? How can we take next steps in forming relationships with our neighbors in our community so we might demonstrate tangibly the love of God? How can we get to know our neighbors? How can we find out what they need? How can we find out what they want to offer? How can we discover what's important to them, what matters? And how can we grow in genuine love for them? Sometimes we will be in a situation where all someone wants from us, all they need from us, is to unload a truck or to stock shelves so that they can then focus on the truly relational part of a ministry or service. But in the year ahead, I pray that God would lead us into the adventure, the opportunity, the holy mandate of loving our neighbors in a way that gives us rich, compelling opportunity to show them the very love of God. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, thank you for uniting us in your son, Jesus for knitting us into one body with Christ himself as our head. Thank you for showing us what love is by coming and living among us. Thank you for your kindness to us, kindness that your word says leads us to repentance and relationship with you. Thank you for your patience with us, patience that gives us time to turn to you, that gives us time to learn from and grow from our mistakes. Lord, would you guide us as people of love? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.